Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for June 24th, 2018. Koyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, <laughs> you know, um, it's quite common for us to hear about the virtues of gratitude. Huh? And in fact, some, you know, that people suggest that oh, we should keep a gratitude journal. We should count our blessings. Uh, and this is a very good practice. Okay? Sit down and we forget the things that we're grateful for, okay? that we take for granted. But if we keep a gratitude journal, and at the end of each day, perhaps, we'll, we'll think about all the things to be grateful for, and our life becomes richer and so forth. But I had, you know, this... That's so important and yet so commonplace in a way. I think what's not so commonplace is the opposite of gratitude. Complaints. Do we know how much we complain about things? Are we aware of it? <laughs> Why don't we keep a complaint journal? I bet we would be surprised. Wow. You know, I complain a lot. Or will we get defensive and say, no, that's not a complaint. That's just stating the fact. A fact that this is not right or this, this is such and such. Okay. And it's going to cause us to take a look okay, at how we define and, and uh, evaluate our thought processes. And very close to complaining is blaming. Uh, And I think these things cause a lot of suffering for ourselves and other people. Think about it. Okay. Now, especially when complaining gets so prevalent that that becomes uh, the MO, becomes a way of being. It can become part of one's personality. You start to look for things that way. You put those glasses on, complaint glasses, okay? 
Because if you're looking for something, you'll find it, right? Whether it's gratitude or complaints. So not just that, why, we didn't put our gratitude glasses on. Well, because we already got glasses on, our complaint glasses. We look around and say, oh, yeah, okay. And um, we have to uh, kind of uh, reflect upon what's going on in this, the dynamics of this psychological thought and feeling process behind claiming, behind complaining and blaming. Does it reflect our own insecurity? Do we get our pleasure, <laughs> perverted pleasure, out of complaining? We, I think we all know some people that are, we say, hey, that person's not, not that's their pleasure. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> they like to complain. They seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Now, that's kind of an ironic thing. Um. And that blaming comes in because, you know, we, we usually blame others. We don't blame ourselves. We usually complain about others, not about ourselves. Okay? It involves other people. Uh, and in a way, I suppose psychologists would say something like, well, you, don't, you put the attention on someone else, not on your own inadequacies. That, if that's not the ego... Self-centered uh, defensiveness, I don't know what is. Huh? Huh? Complaining, blaming. Plus, I think it's, if we are chronic complainers, then we probably aren't constructive. I think there is something valid about a constructive criticism where you say this isn't working and let's become aware of that so that we could creatively find us another solution in its place. And I don't think a lot of complainers do that. They used to like to point out what's not working, what's wrong. They let others be the ones that can fix it. That's where the blaming comes in again. You know, you know in any workplace, you see a sign that says, you know, fix the problem. Don't blame or complain. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, uh, I think we have to rethink complaining. We're looking at ourselves. It can be very productive. In a way, unpleasant, but in a non-active uh, moment or situational moment, I think it's a little bit easier for us to take a look at ourselves and our complaining journal or whatever, okay? Because when something's happening and you get in a, some kind of a intense interaction with somebody else and, you know, they're complaining on you or you, then you're going to, what do you do when someone complains about you, yourself? You attack back most of the time. You know? What did the Buddha say about criticism, verbal abuse? He said, first of all, he said, oh, you know, especially productive people, leaders, they're good targets. Whether now jealousy could come in maybe. Okay. But, you know, or sometimes he said, like a big ship, 
They create awake, you know, <laughs> plowing ahead. Okay. We have to be skillful, yeah, but if someone complains, okay. first of all, Buddha said, well, I look at what they're complaining about objectively, and maybe I have to change things, improve things about what he's talking about. He has a point. Okay. But if it tells more about the complainer and not doesn't apply to me, then he said, I don't have anything to do with it. It has nothing to do with me. Okay. And that's where he told Ananda, you know, when Ananda asked him, because the Buddha was getting all these complaints, verbal abuse from certain people in his audience, most likely other leaders of other spiritual approaches and things. Huh? He says, uh, you don't seem to get upset, your master. Why? And he explained, well, if somebody came to you with a, a dish <laughs> and a gift of poop, Filth, would you accept it? Ananda says, no, of course not. I, I would just put my hands up and back away. I'm not going to hide that. I don't want that. Well, who does it belong to if you don't take it? I'm the person who's holding it. He goes, well, there you go. That's what I do. Okay. I don't accept it. Wow. Easier said than done. Okay. This is where the complaints come to oneself. Then there's, the, I think there's two big areas then. When the complaints come on oneself, how to handle it, and then whether we are chronic complainers or not. Okay? And that's when we keep our own complaining journal. Huh? When does it get out of hand? Okay? Just like taking for granted and not realizing what you're grateful for, we become unaware of how much we complain and blame the system, government, society, or our family, or our friends, or our family members, or this, or that, or I wasn't born like this, or this happened to me and it's not my fault, and that's why I can't achieve or something. Maybe excuses are pretty closely aligned with complaining about something. And even when the complaint is on spot and correct, in a way, do we, are we able to do something constructive with it? Wow, a lot of things to think about. Okay, today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse is Tape the Talk for us, Rob Kanyo. He's part of LM9 Group, and he lives in Illinois. Rob Kanyo. Good morning, everyone. The Dharma glimpse that I have for you today is titled, Should is a Four-Letter Word. Just about two weeks ago, Sayo Sensei, one of our fellow Bright Dawn lay ministers, reached out to me asking if I could provide a Dharma glimpse for today's live Dharma Sunday. I didn't respond right away. I had to think about it for a few days, meditate on it, sit with it. There were so many things going on right now, I thought. June has turned into an amazingly busy month. The last thing I needed was an additional item on my to-do list. I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't take on another task. I should politely decline, and perhaps suggest that I could come up with a glimpse for maybe, I don't know, 
maybe some Sunday in July. But an old teacher of mine, my first Zen teacher, Kongo Roshi, he had a phrase that I vividly remember. He said, should is a four-letter word. He didn't like his students saying that they should do this or that they shouldn't do that. I didn't have a good understanding of what he meant back then, but that phrase is one of his that stuck with me all of these years. But to give you an example of the kinds of things that were going on in my life, the day that I received Sayo Sensei's email was the day that my daughter got married. She scheduled her reception for the following day. So there was a lot of tension and worry amongst family members about having to interact with the large group of people that we had never met before on the groom side of the family. They are very social party animals, whereas my family has always been the epitome of the cliché. They're quiet and keep to themselves. It also happened that my brother and sister, who rarely visit, were both in town at the same time. My brother came in from California, and my sister came in from Arizona and both were planning on staying for over a week. This is also the first time that either of them has visited since our father passed away a few months ago. So there was more than the usual amount of emotional tension in our gatherings. My mother was on eggshells because she didn't want to do or say anything that would upset either of my siblings. My siblings, likewise, were overly nervous about what they said and did because neither one of them wanted to do or say anything that would upset my mother. Everyone was treading lightly around everyone. I became the go-between for all of them, getting pulled into being a sort of liaison or facilitator to ensure that the various family wheels all run smoothly. The emotional icing on the cake is that my wife was scheduled for surgery shortly after my siblings left town. Nothing serious, not a critical procedure, but still a necessity. But her surgery was going to be right before the weekend that this Dharma glimpse was due. That, actually, was yesterday, as I'm recording this on the Friday before the live Dharma Sunday broadcast. And now I will be her caretaker for the next two weeks while she recovers. So all of this is going on, and all of this was going through my head. And each and every one of these tasks were demanding as much attention as I could give them, if not more. The last thing that I felt I needed to do was take on one more task. I shouldn't do that, I thought. As a matter of fact, that's what I said in the email that I started composing to Sayo-sensei. It was a several-paragraph-long email where I was in the process of describing the precise level of chaos that June had devolved into, and it finally came to me. Smack dab in the middle of typing why I shouldn't do it. That I had to do it. I came to the realization that working through this family chaos to provide a Dharma glimpse would itself be a perfect Dharma glimpse, for two reasons. The first reason is to break through the should-shouldn't door that was holding me back. In the book Everyday Suchness, Gyome-sensei has a wonderful discussion of Ryokan's haiku, showing front, showing back, maple leaves fall. This discussion helped me understand Kongoroshi's old teaching. Gyome-sensei says, Ryokan wanted to live life like a maple leaf, by showing front and back as they are, with no shamefulness, just straightforward honesty and sincerity in life. There's no side that's better to show the public. Likewise, there is no side that needs to be hidden from the public. This would have been a wonderful analogy for Kongo Roshi to use. 
when we hear our inner voices talk about what we should do or what we shouldn't do, what we should have said or what we shouldn't have said, or even when we hear our own real voices telling someone else, I should or you shouldn't, in all of those cases, in all of those instances, when the shoulds come out, at that point we are trying to present a front side while keeping other things hidden in the back. But that's not the Buddhist way. The Buddhist way is living life as the maple leaf falls, showing both front and back. Now that was the first reason. The second reason is a little more straightforward. With everything that has happened in June, my daughter's wedding, my daughter's reception, my sister visiting, my brother visiting, my wife's surgery, I came to the realization that working through this family chaos to provide a Dharma glimpse would itself be a perfect Dharma glimpse. Why? Because to do what I'm doing now, putting these words together for you to hear them, with everything else that's going on, that right there is a perfect example of Koyo Sensei's teaching telling us to keep going. So thank you very much for that, Koyo Sensei. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm always so impressed the way these Dharma glimpses are practice. So, oh, meditation or or chanting or uh, reading books, listening to lectures, uh, you know, take some discipline and is our practice, but reflecting on our own lives, what's going on, taking a wow, layered look, a deeper look, huh? in order to come up with a Dharma glimpse. In itself, I think it's a, the crucial practice, and that all the other practices, as important as they are, their motivation and end goal is that it should change us and make us better able to function in everyday life. The Dharma glimpse goes right to everyday life, okay? And as the Dharma glimpse unfolds, I think that's a very insightful thing to say, well, I can't do that because I got all these things going on. That's it. That's the practice right there. Man, and then I don't need, you know, how to apply things like should and shouldn'ts and, and, and front and back and keep going, meaning you don't stop at the should or shouldn't. Take another look at it. Self-awareness. Hey, as part of keep going, keep going. Take a look. Take a further look. <laughs> okay? And you don't arrive. You just keep going. Huh? Not like, okay, ah, yeah, I got this. Non-attachment. Boom, boom, click, period. No. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, yes, indeed, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.